0: All right, everyone, welcome in to today's episode of the Running Through It podcast. I'm your host, Justin Horniker, back already with another episode. A bit of a programming note off the top. I know we had discussed last episode that today was going to be our world championships roundup episode, but some reporting that I've been doing previously has kind of come to the forefront. So. We're going to move that episode to later in the week, a little bit of a bonus pod for everyone as we just roll down what was a fantastic last couple days of the World Championships. But for now, I've been doing some long-term reporting over the past eight months, talking to a bunch of fantastic athletes from Milligan University, past and present. And off the top, this is a bit of a trigger warning, so if discussion of sexual assault, abuse, disordered eating... If those topics aren't good for you right now, tune out, listen to Next Friday. No big deal. I understand we're getting into some heavy topics here, but things that I feel like I I need to talk about on the podcast in terms of my reporting and in terms of the story itself, but it's also something that hits home to me because I've talked about on the podcast back in the early days of the pod of my experiences at the University of Fontbonne and just kind of the the coaching that I dealt with as in my senior year and in my post-senior year um, and being on the coaching staff and the head coach that we had at that time. So I want to talk a little bit about how my experiences and the experience of my teammates do kind of correspond a little bit with what people at Milligan had gone through on obviously a much lesser slash different environment. But it just speaks to the general theme of if you – Hang around the world of athletics, whether it's collegiate coaching, collegiate track and field. If you hang around that world for not even that long, like I was thinking about this when I was tweeting about it earlier, I was like, if you, I was going to say, if you're in the collegiate landscape long enough, but I don't even think it's that long. If you're in for a season, you're going to hear about an asshole coach. You're going to hear about, oh, that guy's hard to deal with or something along those lines. And everyone seems to have a story either dealing with a different coach dealing with their own coach hearing those stories so I want to get into it a little bit I'd been talking with some of the Milligan University former athletes who had transferred out because of their experiences with Milligan University and the head coach current head coach but the head coach at the time Chris Lane what makes this story hard is Chris Lane is someone who Pretty impactful in the world of athletics. They won the NEIA national title last year. it has been at Milligan for over 20 years. He coached Abby, I want to say D'Agostino, but Abby Cooper uh, in the world US titles. Oh, I can't talk anymore. He coached Abby Cooper at the US trials last year. He has been an agent for athletes at this current world championships like Jessica Hall, like Alicia Monson. He's still being allowed and hasn't been reprimanded at all for any of these stories that have been public since last year. It's been about eight months since I first had this story come across my radar and since I started talking to other athletes as I could. But let's get into the details a little bit. So I wrote a story, which I'll have down in the show notes, but we're going to go through it bit by bit here tonight and you know talk about some of the other Evidences some of the other kind of conversations I've had that aren't necessarily in this article just because they were a little more incomplete. But the big and the long and short of this story is that not only is this a story of abuse, is this a story of coaching oversight gone wrong. It's also the story of a university that astounds, that puts forward these Christian values covering up sexual assault while also in that same academic calendar year, firing a faculty member for identifying as gay and I think that's like a larger story of what we talk about in today's modern time of what exactly are Christian values right and like you know you don't need to go into my religion but I grew up Catholic I'm not really anything anymore and it's a lot of that type of institutional nonsense that I think draws a lot of people away from whatever your selected faith is but Getting into the story of it. So harassment covers up in Total Control, A Culture of Toxicity at Milligan University is what I titled it. And I think that kind of encapsulates the overall story, this total control that Chris Lane wanted over his program. Milligan University is supposed to be a beacon of community and Christian values, describing itself as offering its members a dynamic and supportive environment in which students join faculty and staff supported by alumni and others in exploring and practicing the personal and communal decisions of individual and corporate responsibility under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Yet, time after time, this university that has a quote on their website that is, an environment in which students join faculty and staff in their mission have been at war with itself. An environment that supposedly prides itself on empowering students to be leaders, to be leaders in Christ, they say, often does everything to make sure students don't have a voice and have to be beholden to the rules not just of the university but of their elders, their faculty members, their coaches, right? So, again, before we go any further, there's going to be a lot of talk of sexual assault, of abusive behavior, of disordered eating. So, give you that out now and you know if any of you or someone you know is suffering from suicidal thoughts the new suicide hotline 988 or visit 988 lifeline.org now so let's get into it after reading a lot of these stories it became very apparent that at the surface you had this highly successful coach this highly successful agent NAIA coach of the year USTF CCCA coach of the year Dozens of national titles, hundreds of All-Americans. This is a very successful coach. But all those accomplishments, back to the early days of Chris Lane starting his program at Milligan University, come with this undercurrent of control and abusive behavior towards his athletes. One of the comments that Chris Lane had mentioned to Amy when she came forward was, I've had my fun too. That was his response when she came forward to discuss her sexual assault with him. That's who Chris Lane is. That's who Milligan University is. These people that will say, until the cows come home, about personal responsibility, yet have none of it for themselves or for anyone else. Unless it's someone trying to tell tell the story of what happened to them. (laughs) It gets me a little bit like choked up talking about it so behind those 23 seasons at Milligan University hundreds of all Americans like I said it wasn't just with Lane either with Lane he had become so entrenched in the system with the faculty and with athletic director Fox which I'll talk about later he was and is still in still pretty much bulletproof there are multiple occasions where athletes would go to lane with their experiences and their reward for that courage would be victim blaming and suggestions of maybe you should wear different clothes at practice or be careful what you talk about with your teammates. That latter quote comes from a reported incident where an assistant throws coach, Daniel Corher had been continuously harassing a pair of athletes. An incident that the entire athletic department under Fox would attempt to sweep under the rug. The continued harassment culminated in Cora manipulated an athlete into receiving a solo ride from campus for a one-on-one practice session. The athlete entered the car with Corher, who was a trusted coach, someone that said, hey, why don't you hop in with me, one of those kind of conversations. If you ran or competed at a small university, you probably know one of those situations where you had to get a ride with the coach to the track. That's something that we had to do all the time at Fonfon. Bon. Uh as the athlete got into the car with the coach, he then proceeded to put his hand on her thigh in like a suggestive manner. Despite the athlete making it clear that she was extremely uncomfortable with this, they proceeded to have practice after that. That's where the trust is broken, and this was kind of the first story that I had come across outside of Amy's that was just heartbreaking for me because not only, not only. Well, let's explain a little bit further. After this, Corher continued texting and harassing this athlete. And even after the athlete brought it to Corher's attention that she didn't want this happening, brought it to Chris Lane's attention and to the then athletic director Mark Fox's attention. Despite this, the athlete was told to simply wear less revealing clothes and asked, what do you and your training partner talk about at practice? Perhaps you shouldn't talk about personal matters in front of Corher. Having her voice just completely invalidate, right? It's your fault. You guys are talking about suggestive things. You're wearing... Running clothes. Corher's actions reached a point where the university could no longer ignore them. And after meeting with Lane and Fox, Corher's punishment was a forced email apology to the athlete. So his punishment for sexually harassing an athlete was to send an email apology, CC us on it, make sure you do it. Um, And I actually have a copy of that email. It said, so this was Daniel Corher's email to the athlete. I wanted to reach out to you and issue an apology for instances this past year where I made you uncomfortable. It was not my intention for you to feel this way. It was a lack of judgment and professionalism on my part. And in the future, if you, if you feel this way again about anything, please do not hesitate or feel uncomfortable about approaching myself, Coach Lane, or Mr. Fox. (laughs) I haven't read that out loud in a bit. (laughs) That is so ridiculous. Like that's, this is like Last straw, final straw. You send that email, CC us in it, and also make sure that you take no culpability in the matter at all. Core Hare was then allowed to finish out the season at Milligan before leaving coaching altogether. So you're not going to get a reference, but you can you know you can stick around if you want. <laughs> that <laughs> and like good thing that that guy is not allowed back in coaching, and if he ever does, you, you know I'll try to do something about it. This level of manipulation doesn't stop there. Many athletes have shared their story online about Lane and his staff, ranging from isolating specific athletes, gossiping about athletes behind their backs, commenting on athlete's weight and lifestyle, and forcing athletes into a particular model of shoe, to forcing athletes into specific majors so they wouldn't miss practice or team events. So this is where I'll kind of expand on my article a bit. A couple of instances. I talked to a couple of athletes who were Chris Lane's kind of like initial recruits to Milligan. So... If you think of like a, a university establishing a cross country team, and I forget if he was establishing it or if he was just coming along, you know, in its infancy when it was still a small program. And someone like Lane has a lot of belief in himself, obviously. He's a very good coach. You can't take that away from him. His methods are diabolical, though. And he ordered just one model of shoes, assuming he got a deal on it, one model of shoes for the entire team. And in different sizes, of course. And one of the athletes didn't have the right size, but was told that she should keep running in it anyway, that Lane had measured her. He knew this was what her size is. She should keep running in it. And she had just all sorts of problems running in these pairs of shoes. And like, as a coach, as someone who's worked and run specialty, like that's the easiest thing to get right. is just, all right, if these shoes are bothering you, let's switch them out. It shouldn't be that hard, especially if you have this school-wide deal we had to do that at pom-pom bon bon a whole bunch of times so, you know if an athlete had a pair of shoes that you know sometimes they would work for the first couple of runs and after that they'd start feeling uncomfortable and when you're running high mileage you need shoes to feel comfortable and you're at a college where you know we still have to pay for our shoes but we've got a huge discount on them if you're at a bigger school obviously you get a little more choice in your footwear but like that's such a little thing and then in other conversations, I was speaking with another athlete who had this issue with this elective. It wasn't even through Milligan. It was like an elective leadership course that wasn't even worth a college credit. And she was doing it optional because she thought it'd be fun. And she wanted to you know, be on Lane's good side. And through all this, her priorities changed and her schedule got a lot more busy. And what's the easiest thing to drop out of a busy schedule is this optional elective leadership course that isn't actually getting you any school credit for so she told Blaine that she wasn't going to have to take that she couldn't take this anymore just because her work times and practice times and everything wasn't allowing it and then she he proceeded to tell her that he had to stay in this course because it was going to make him look unprofessional if she dropped out and essentially guilted her into staying in this leadership course that was unimpactful in any other way And it's something, when you add those things that are so little that are being manipulated, you can only imagine what's happening on a larger scale, on larger scale things. We'll get into that a little bit later. One story I was told highlights Lane's obsession over athlete's weight. The story goes, a teammate was told multiple times in front of the whole team that his stomach was getting too big. They needed to slow down on the drinks, the Pop-Tarts, and the pizza. This made me connect my appearance with failure or success. Desserts were always off-limits until after national meets. Coach would take away all of our cookies, and we did poorly at a race, and this made me believe that desserts were dangerous to my identity. Unsurprisingly, I developed a severe eating disorder, and when Coach and I had our meeting about my obvious anorexia nervosa, he told me to go to the therapist and get better, or I would lose my scholarship. So. That is, that's twofold. That's a coach who not only does not, doesn't understand mental health and like go to the therapist, get better, right? That's not how that works. It's also someone who is incentivizing food for performance. He's making sure there is a hard line between weight and performance. Weight and do I want to be on this team bad enough? At one point after the Mary Kane story had broke, uh, Mary Kane had come out with an expose about her time under Nike Oregon Project and Alberto Salazar and just how that environment really messed with their body image and it's a lot more nuanced than that and it's a lot more horrific than that but that's essentially the, the baseline of the story. After the Mary Kane story broke, Lane would do the same thing but back when they were on the bus he would give everyone their cookies back saying if someone finds out I took these from you'll get canceled. like okay so you know what you're doing is fucked up but you're gonna do it anyway and okay i was just joking i was just joking it's all these like little manipulation tactics so lane's favorite manipulation tactic was often to isolate a specific athlete from their teammates as motivation amy ferguson was one of those athletes i've talked about amy in this podcast already she aired some concerns to Lane that simply did not matter to you know the coach or Milligan's administration. She was going to the coach for guidance. And that's something that needs to be talked about with the story, too. When you're a coach, you're kind of being entrusted by people's parents to steward them along. You're getting these 18-year-old freshmen who are living away from home for the first time. Some of them are a little more worldly than others, right? Some have more of a clue than others. That's not doesn't have anything to do with Amy's story but I'm just thinking back to when I was getting started in coaching and parents are entrusting you to protect their children right like they're not in their daily lives anymore and yes they're adults but an 18 year old kid getting to college for the first time you know you're their coach you're like their first arm of support right your coach your advisors they're Only a few amounts of people outside of your friends that you can actually go and tell something to, hoping that it sparks a conversation or sparks action down the line. So Lane had determined that Amy wasn't focused enough on running, wasn't focused enough on the team, and spread a rumor that Amy was sleeping around with other teams. Amy was then shunned. Her teammates stopped talking to her, stopped offering her rides to church, and banished her from other team functions, isolating a young athlete from all of her support system And setting herself up as the only one who could properly guide himself and guide her towards success in running. Amy was terrified and had nowhere left to go. The school certainly wouldn't support her. She had witnessed what happened when athletes found themselves on Lane's bad side. He would threaten to withhold scholarships, as we talked about earlier, threaten to drop you from the team, and openly gossip about you to your teammates. The truth is, Amy had been sexually assaulted, and the rumor that she had been sleeping around was perpetuated by the student who raped her earlier that semester. Amy was suffering in silence throughout and finally opened up to Lane about what she had been dealing with all on her own. Lane responded with, I've had my fun too. Boys will be boys. You need to get over it. Accept your part of the blame here and start running faster. So not only is it like victim blaming all wrapped up in none of this matters compared to running. It's that it's what we talked about with Alberto Salazar. It's like, Running fast is the only thing that matters to them. Your life events don't matter. Your sexual assault doesn't matter. When are you going to get back on the track and get running? So Amy went to him for support. He responded with, I've had my fun too. Boys will be boys. Get over it. Except you're part of the blame. That's just an asinine statement also. Lane's blatant disregard for a sexual assault victim wouldn't end there either. Amy knew she could no longer run for Lane, or even attend a university that openly denied her any form of justice. Moving on it was going to be hard, though. Lane would certainly try to talk her out of transferring. Even as she did, Lane's resources stretch wide outside the university. You can see this now on my tweet and things that I cover within this story. And if you go back to Amy's original tweet, which I recommend against if you're someone who is gonna. That might hurt a little bit, um, but there are people in there who are defending Lane to the death, right? He has a lot of people snowed on this. So Amy was trapped in a situation she saw no escape from, knowing the level of manipulation possible from Lane. The Milliken University program under Chris Lane was one of blind loyalty. Athletes had their weight monitored, were shuttled into classes and programs recommended by Lane, and were told it was their fault whenever something would go wrong. It was the worst conversation I've ever had with anyone. One former Milligan athlete confided in me surrounding a conversation about her dropping an optional leadership class specifically assigned by Lane. That's the story I was telling you guys earlier. The university that preaches accountability had zero when it came to Lane and his staff. Reports were made frequently through the athletic department, and school would allegedly side with Lane every time. For those keeping track of Milligan's university's Christian morals covering up any sexual assault, is okay. That. Daniel Carher can stay on the roster, can stay on the coaching staff, just has to send an email. But if you have a faculty who identifies as gay, that's a fireball offense. And without cause, they're just out of there. And this, this was, so <laughs> to get into that, this is a very beloved faculty that, like, it's all kind of happening at the same time too. And just shows this dichotomy of like what these people really support. So Amy made a go at it next fall, but her struggles with PTSD symptoms, panic attacks, immense anxiety, insomnia made it difficult. She wanted to start taking an antidepressant, but was told to wait after cross-country season because it could make her gain weight. And that's honestly, so when I heard that, that made me pause too, because I had long been thinking about going on antidepressants before I did. And one of the thoughts of why I did not in college, because I had convinced myself, because I was a freaking running nerd, that if I was to go on Lexapro, which I'm on now, that it would force me to gain weight and my training would suffer for it. Now, looking back, I know that's just like a terrible attitude and it's kind of what got me in my mess to begin with. But in being on the other side of it, knowing how much Lexapro has helped me just in my daily life... (laughs) But that's not something as a coach you should be telling an athlete who wants to take care of their mental health. That's like, can this wait until after the season is not something you want to tell someone who is very depressed. The coaching staff was no help. Lane would continue to isolate Amy at a team retreat. We had a big confrontational meeting with the girls team. Everyone was giving an opportunity to tell me how negative I was and how I was faking feeling sick and hurt. I was put on the spot by Chris to share the reason why I wasn't okay. This event, being singled out this way after experiencing long-term PSD symptoms sparked a deeply negative feeling in Amy. She tried to take her life that night of this confrontation. And luckily, Amy's still here to tell her story. It's an extremely brave woman who was the first one to blow the whistle on this. So without Amy, there would be no story here. So Amy continues. My junior year when I had kidney stones, he told my teammates that it wasn't real and I was lying about it. He did this with every health issue I had to make me look untrustworthy. If I ever spoke up about the things he said and did to me behind the scenes, no one would believe me. He had my team captains tell me I was faking it, and I offered to show them the health records on my phone to prove it. They said they couldn't believe that was real, and I had to start taking pictures of the toilet every time I peed to provide blood in my urine. That's just, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> no one should ever experience the level of gaslighting Amy experienced, but... This is the culture Lane and Milligan University have cultivated. So not only are these things you're experiencing your fault, but actually they're not happening to you and we don't believe anything you're saying unless it comes from Chris Lane's mouth. So despite complaints to the university and public statements made by current and former athletes, Chris Lane is still the head coach at Milligan. Uh, It's an NAI university, so it allows him to coach professionally. Like I said, he worked with Abby Cooper last year and work as an agent to international athletes like Jessica Hall, Alicia Monson, and Corey McGee. He has more athletes, but those are the three that were at World Athletic Championships this past weekend. So time and time again, we see these problematic coaches continue to have their hands in all aspects of the sport despite decades of alleged inappropriate behavior. Everything we have learned through the investigation and suspension of a coach like Alberto Salazar should tell you how dangerous Lane's actions are, yet he continues to be untouchable and rewarded. We have students and athletes whose lives have been irreparably damaged while he skates by free of guilt and consequences. And he has defenders. People are coming out of the woodworks to defend this guy. So that's it. That's the story. I wanted to thank all the athletes for coming forward and sharing their time with me. And there are more stories out there. They I talked to a lot of people for this, and there's definitely more reporting to be done, especially when it comes to... The university's culpability in this because there is a lot with the university. Um, yeah, I reached out to Lane, I reached out to Milligan and Total Sports. None of them got back to me in Safe Sport. Last time I talked to him, and this was a bit ago, we're still investigating and I haven't heard any feedback from him. So before my publishing of this article, eight months had passed and nothing had been done. So I'd been sitting on it for a while. I was. As you know, with the lack of podcasts, I was busy with my job with Charge Running, which I know more free time, and I'll talk about that on Friday. But I just kinda wanted to really open up about that story, put Amy's voice on the podcast. And then something that, like I said in the, in the opener, something that speaks to a lot of people in the collegiate running and the high school running scene as well, is that you have impressional people, young adults, teenagers who look to you for every piece of advice. And you're their coach, you're supposed to kind of know what's best for them. But if you're someone who is abusive to begin with, and you get that power, you're in that situation. And it's like we always talk about, or me and Claire always talk about this anyway. I don't talk about this with all you on the podcast. Me and Claire, my wife, who is a therapist, talk about this often of how like abusive people, predatory people, often find themselves in positions of power. You see that with coaches. All the time. A lot of coaches who, you know, especially at small schools where you don't have. And not to say this doesn't happen at big schools, because it definitely does. But small schools where like the coaches and the faculty are best friends and it's harder to fire people sometimes. They really do run. A unsinkable ship in ways. When I think about our experiences at Fontbonne with Coach Buckler, who. Someone that I have no time for. As a senior, and after I graduated and came back to you know coach in the the spring and fall, there was a lot going on that I was aware of, and there's a lot going on that I wasn't. The things I was aware of, I tried to do my best to kind of like put myself in that situation so I could monitor, so I could be a voice of reason in a way. But that's not necessarily an athlete's job to police their coach, right? And you as a 22-year-old athlete have a lot going on in your life and it's not your job to police abuse. Now, if you see it, say something, right? But sometimes when you hear rumors of things, you aren't necessarily sure what to believe, who to believe. After I graduated and after I was done, after Buckler was long gone from the university, turns out that during the time, the semester that I had taken off, and I don't know why I'm saying things about me. I'm just trying to to center this. This story actually has nothing to do about me. But during that time, we had I had a gay teammate who was openly gay, and the coach was would often make jokes about that. And you could tell he was just extremely uncomfortable about my teammate and just didn't know how to respond and he was very homophobic to him and like openly was openly homophobic to him. And some of my teammates apparently had heard this and reported it to our AD and nothing was really done about it. It was just another report that one of the SAC reports against him. And that's one that makes me like, that makes me choke up because it's everything that I tried to do as captain of that team before I left at that, All the captains tried to do was be an open team, an open family, and like you can come, you can be yourself, and just knowing that you know this teammate who was a year under me, so like I was kind of the I don't know. Our team was very young, so as a sophomore, I was like the second oldest person on the team, Uh, and to to go through all four years together, and then to find out afterwards that actually she was being a victim of homophobia, like right under your nose. It hurts but when you have these coaches who are assholes who are abusive they're not always going to be like out and open about it like you definitely know like I always knew that our coach was an asshole but I didn't know it was to this point where he was attacking our teammates with homophobic language and it's just it's something we need to like systemically deal with because it happens time and time again. And time and time again, you see coaches that either stay in power, are released, and find another job shortly after. And that's something that just shouldn't be allowed when you're talking about people's lives being at risk. When you're talking about athletes who are having their health monitored to the point where they're having extreme disordered eating to the point where it leads to depression and anxiety to the point where it ends up with them trying to take their lives or taking their lives how many times does that have to happen before we actually step in and monitor this i don't know it's a bit of a rough spot in the podcast but thank you all for coming through that journey with me like i said earlier i'll be back later in the week friday with a world athletics roundup we're gonna look ahead to the ed murphy classic in memphis also but As always, if you have a story you want to tell, reach out to me, HornikerJustin, last name, first name, at gmail.com. I'll also put the SafeSport reporting number in the show notes as well. So if you have a situation that you know needs to be reported, please report that. But thank you all so much for listening, for running through it with me. I have been Justin Horniker. Uh, Follow me on Instagram and Twitter. And TikTok. I'm doing more TikTok than anything. Just search Justin Hornicker at Justin Hornicker on TikTok, or at Justin on Twitter. If you're listening to this podcast, make sure that you are subscribed. Throw me a little rating. It helps. If you're watching on the YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Give me that little thumbs up. And uh, yeah, if you're going through something, talk about it. I think that's the main takeaway here. You know, We all try to suffer in silence. I suffer in silence a lot. But when you are open about something, not only do you inspire others to come up and open up, but you also are able to have that kind of cathartic feeling that oftentimes we feel like we're struggling through something on our own, but it's not always the case. Have a great day, everyone. I'll talk to you soon. In